0: But uh, what I want to kind of just remember with you is what what it is that we talked about last week. Because I I don't know about you, but I I think that um, God was moving in a way in which uh, really hit some hearts. And I want to continue on in this movement. Uh, We we talked that what what we want to be about here at, at this church is uh, to be, uh, you know, a part of a movement or uh, understand what the Red Hill Project is, a a movement that changes the way in which people think about Christ and his church. So... If we're going to change the way in which people think about Christ and his church, we need to make sure that our own thinking is transformed. And it's not transformed in the way in which I think. It's transformed in the way in which Christ thinks. So we want to have that, that mind of Christ. And last week, we talked about just a, a few things that we could put into um, a, a nice little uh, nine, you know, into nine words that, so we can remember um, some, some things as we go throughout our week and understand that we're supposed to have this magnanimous, uh, disposition. Um, how many of you use that word this week? Nobody? I know I did. No, no one heard it last week and, like, man, I got to use that. Shame on you. Uh, no, that's fine. What's that? <laughs> you understand the people. Oh, come on. You- then you need to hang around better company, then, brother. <laughs> But we talked about that accepted people do what? Accept, Accept okay. And then we talked about forgiven people what? Forgiven. All right, there we go. So and then given people what? All right, so the pretty, pretty uh, self-explanatory. Well, we talked about that, it, that if we've been accepted by God, we are to accept others. Now, we also talked about that we're not, to, we're not called to accept the sin which is in everyone, you know, these people's lives. But we are to, we're called to accept the person. That way we can have that opportunity to speak into their lives. That we can uh, the, the, use the, the understanding that, that, you know, I always talk about that we can build a bridge that can bear the weight of truth. We want to be able to bear the weight of truth on a bridge that has been built, uh, and, and that uh, a bridge doesn't get built overnight. It, it takes an understanding. It takes some time. Uh, then we talked about forgiving people forgive, and um, that w- that's a, a, a part of, of that, um, that little saying or whatever you want to call it, those certainties that a lot of people, um, ha- they struggle with. Because we understand, yeah, I need to accept people, and I can do that. Um, and, but when we get to forgiving people, um, you don't know what's happened to me. I, I don't. I don't. And I'm not going to say it's going to be easy. But I understand that um, it's possible, and it can be done. And I, and I understand that God has called us to do that as believers in Jesus Christ. And then we talk about giving people give. And this is another one that, that um, some people, they, they get uh, hung up on. It, it, it's hard. You, what do you mean I'm supposed to give? That's all the church wants is my money. You know, n- no, God wants your heart. And what, what we need to understand is that, that, that uh, money is the, the God of most people's lives. And Jesus even says that. That's not what I say. That's just what Jesus says. You can't serve God and money. So understanding what it means to give of our time, of our talent, and our treasure um, is is all uh, uh, wrapped up into this disposition that we talked about last week. But then, you know, as I I was working through this this week and thinking about all of those things, I I, I think that... um, obviously I'm thinking that Jesus knew what he was doing when he followed up the what he said about accepting people you know accept and forgiving people forgive and giving people give he goes right into a parable like uh, he he knew that we were gonna have questions about that the the questions that that, that come up are like well how do I accept how do I forgive how do I give Um, and I'll wrap it all up into one little nice tight little ball and then from there, you can take and dribble it and unravel it. Um, it's by the power of the Holy Spirit. Uh, that, that, that is the, the easiest preacher way to talk to, or to say that. Uh, but it's understanding that it's only through the power of the Holy Spirit that maybe you'll be able to forgive that person that's hurt you. Or maybe you'll be able to give um, uh, accordingly uh, of your time, of your talent, of your treasure. Or maybe it's only through the power of the Holy Spirit that you'll be able to uh, put up with your obnoxious neighbor. Don't know. Anybody in here have an obnoxious neighbor? I was waiting for Lonnie to raise his hand. <laughs> He's my neighbor, so um <laughs> you gotta, gotta accept me, you gotta love me. Love your neighbor. Love your neighbor. Uh, but it's only through the power of the Holy Spirit that a lot of this stuff under that we understand as what God has set forth for us, the commands in which God has given us uh, through the, the words of Jesus through his, his word here, uh, a lot of times we get, we get overwhelmed with, well, God said to do this, and I just don't know how to do that. Well, there are things that God says to do in, in the, that are outside of your ability, and the reason that they're, he tells you to do them and they are outside of your ability is because he wants you to rely on him. It, it, it's, it's clear. It's clear, and I love that understanding that it's through the power of the Holy Spirit that we're able to do these things, and understanding that, that, that Jesus makes us clear what that looks like. Um, I, I love how we can um, rest in that. So, let's, uh, we'll move on uh, in our, our, our text here. Let's go to 39, and I want to read this because I love this. It says, can a blind man lead a blind man? Will they not both fall into a pit? Stop for a second. So Jesus is just saying, okay, we're, we're to accept, we're to forgive, and then we're, to, we're also to, to give. And he says, then he goes on and tells this parable, can a blind man lead a blind man? And will they both not fall into a pit? What in the world is he doing? Well, I, I think what, what, what Jesus is doing, he uses this same um, parable other places. He uses this same parable um, in Matthew um, to describe the, the Pharisees and the way in which they're teaching. Well, here we know that he's talking to the disciples. He's, he's making this clear statement. We, we've already um, established uh, throughout the past few weeks that he's making this clear statement. He's talking to his 12 disciples here. And he says this, can a blind man lead a blind man? Will they not both fall into a pit? So, I think what, what Jesus is, is clearly telling us, and he was clearly telling them, is um, to be able to, uh, to accept like we're to accept, and to forgive like we're to forgive, and to uh, give like we're to give, we need to make sure we're not blind. And, and here's the thing, Jesus is not talking about a, a handicap. He's not talking about a physical blindness um, here, although he's using this, uh, this illustration, he's talking about a spiritual blindness. We know from, from Scripture, um, you don't have to turn there, I'll, I'll read it to you, in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, it, it says that, um, that the God of this world, which is the God of this world being uh, the devil, being Satan, has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. So what we have to understand is we're born into life, and, and most of you, you're thinking, okay, I got this, but just let, let, let's think about this for a second. We have to understand that we're born blind. We're born into life blind. Uh, it's not until the Holy Spirit uh, moves, until we accept Christ, so that we're transferred from the domain of darkness, transferred into the kingdom of his son. So we're go, we go from being blind spiritually to being able to see spiritually. What we have to understand then is if we, if we, if we grasp this, and I think that we, we all are, are smart enough that we can get this, that, that, that if we're born blind and we need to be, our eyes need to be open, and the only way in which they're open is um, by the power of the Holy Spirit. It's called re- regeneration. We can talk about that in the future. Uh, when, when we accept Christ, so our, our eyes are, are open then. After that, we are no longer blind. Now, as we'll talk uh, in the the future here, in a couple minutes, we're going to talk about how sometimes we can have things that that obscure our vision, but what we need to understand is we're no longer blind, and and I, I think that it's important for us to understand that there are blind people out there, okay? There are blind, and I'm talking spiritually blind people, because what happens is there's a lot of people that are in your lives, that are in my lives, that are spiritually blind, and what we think we're going to do is we're, think, we're, we're expecting someone who is blind, who is spiritually blind, to live a life that is, that, that is, is a life that, that they can actually see and they can do spiritual things. It, 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 would be, um, it, it would be unhumane or inhumane of me to take somebody who is physically blind and set them in a, in a place and, and expect them to operate as someone who has sight. Right? Right? How many times do we do that to our family and our friends that are spiritually blind and we impose spiritual things on them, spiritual responsibilities, and think that they can operate in a spiritual understanding of what God has set forth when they're still blind? Jesus is going here and saying there's a clear distinction of people who are blind. People who are blind cannot operate as people who can see. He goes to this great detail of there are people who are blind that should not lead other people that are blind, but all too often that happens. I I think all too often what what, what happens is that um, um, people uh, settle to be led by someone who does not know where they're going themselves. And and I say that in in the sense of, uh, if we look at Facebook, and you know me, I'm not an anti-Facebook guy, but there are a lot of people who will want to get um, uh, advice off of Facebook, or even maybe they want spiritual advice and they go to television or they go to a friend who is spiritually blind to get um, advice that is going to just basically lead them into a pit. That's what Jesus is saying here. We cannot go to a theological toilet to take a drink. Right? You've heard me say that. It, the water's nice and cool and it may be even clear or blue tinted, but it doesn't mean it's good to drink. So we have to understand that the following uh, what Jesus is saying here is there is a clear distinction. He's looking at his 12 disciples and he's saying there's a clear distinction. Blind people cannot lead blind people. It takes someone who can see to lead the blind. So with that, he goes on to say this next, um, this next thing. And if you didn't, if you didn't hear um, or you didn't get that, uh, what we need to understand is that the, the disciple must see a disciple must see. The first step of discipleship that we're called to do, the first step of growing in a relationship with Christ is a disciple must see. Don't, don't be one of those people who say, well, I'm discipling so-and-so. Okay, well, when did they accept Christ? Well, they haven't yet. Well, that's not discipling yet. That's called evangelism. That's good. Share with them, but discipling comes from when, uh, when someone transfers from the domain of darkness into the kingdom of light. So, he goes on to say, and I think this is where we talked a little bit about last week, he says, the disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone when he is fully trained will be like his teacher. Last week, we highlighted that, that, that Jesus was the one that is our teacher and that, that he's the one in which we are to be um, aspiring after, where we want to aim uh, our, our lives and conform our lives to his way and his thought. Absolutely. I think, though, that on the same line there, there's a little bit of indication that Jesus is talking about some earthly teachers as well. Just think about this for, for a second. Um, Jesus here, he says that the, the, the uh, disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone who is fully trained will be like his teacher. With Jesus saying this, and, and he, he already uh, um, established that the blind people can't lead blind people, he's kind of taking this next step and he's saying, okay, there's, there's, there's a, an important factor here, is you, got, you need to choose your teacher well. Right? Do, do you see that? Because he, he talks about here, And What he's implying here is we don't want to choose inadequate teachers. Think about this just on on a humanistic level. If we choose someone who is an inadequate teacher, and Jesus is saying that the student is not going to be above his teacher because what we have to understand... In this time here, they didn't have um, the internet, and they didn't have um, the, 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 these vast libraries that were accessible to everyone at, at this time, where if somebody wanted to learn something, they just go and they check out a book, or they, you know, they, um, they Google it, right, 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 Ogre? You know, they, they didn't have that. So what they did is they learned everything from the teacher. So Jesus is saying, okay, it's very important the teacher in which you, um, which you choose because if you choose an inadequate teacher you you 're setting your ceiling you see what i 'm saying if i if, if Jesus here is saying, if you choose a, a, a teacher that on a scale of of one to ten is a six you 're not going to get above that six. but if you choose someone who is an eight okay you 're still not going you have a ceiling in which you 're going to you 're going to hit so the teachers in which we choose have to be. We have to understand that we don't want to limit ourselves. Should we have earthly teachers? Absolutely, 100%. I think the Bible is clear about that. How else are we supposed to make disciples if we don't teach? Uh, Matthew 28:19, right? It says Jesus says, uh, "Go into all the world and make disciples, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you." Teachers are necessary. But what we need to understand is, is that human teachers are going to have some inadequacies. All human teachers are going to have some inadequacies. But does that mean that we can't learn from them? No, that doesn't mean that we can't learn from them. But we don't need to put all of our trust, all of our hope in what it is that they're teaching. We need to have a, we need to have a teacher that supersedes all of human expectation. So are we tracking? Are we tracking? It's important to have human teachers. It's important to have pastors and teachers and preachers. It's important to have those mentors in your life, but don't put the burden of your whole walk with Christ onto an earthly teacher. Understand that the only teacher that can bear the weight of your worship is God, is Jesus. So he's saying here um, in that aspect that he's, you know, don't be constrained by the limitations of the the earthly teachers. Learn from them, grow from them, but strive past and beyond. He goes on to say, and this is where I want to spend a few minutes because I I think that as Jesus is, um, he's talking uh, about the, this spiritual awakening, he's talking about understanding that you you have to be able to see um, to to be able to guide someone. You need to be a, a, um, someone who who can see the obstacles that are, that are presented in front of your life, uh, or pr- in front of your life, or in someone's life, so you can help them maneuver around it. You can't be blind. He goes on to say that even though that we um, uh, are spiritually awake, spiritually alive, that we have the eyes of our, our, our hearts, our minds enlightened, as Paul says in, I think in Ephesians 1, um, he says that there are times in which you are going to have distractions and obstacles in your way. So e- e- even though that you're no, no longer blind, even though that you have good teachers... There are going to be obstacles that are presented, uh, that are going to be apparent, and they're going to present themselves in your life. Look at what it says. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, brother, let me take out the speck that is in your eye, when you yourself do not see the log that is in your own eye? You hypocrite. You hypocrite. First, take out the log that's in your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take out the speck that is in your brother's eye. Now, here's what I don't want to happen. This is kind of like that whole judge not thing, right? We talked a few weeks ago where people like people who don't even come to church, they know that verse. Judge not lest ye be judged, right? And they even quote it in the King James. So they're really holy, and they really don't know what they're talking about because they just, they just I heard it one time. Well, this is one of those, those, those verses that the, the, those of us who um, do have a, a relationship with Christ, when we encounter people in the, uh, in the world, they, they say things like this. Well, they first quote the judge thing, and then they say, well, why don't you worry about what's going on with you before you ever worry about me? Well, is Jesus saying that that's what needs to happen? Absolutely. Do they have, do they have credence? You better believe it. But he also says that once you take the 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 log that's out of your eye, then we are to help take the speck that's in our brother's eye. He says, don't don't get so um uh uh, or we're not to get so worked up about what's going on in our brother's life and neglect what's going on in our own life. I think too often what we do is we, we try to highlight someone else's sin when we have the same sin in our life. And I don't want anybody to to raise hands, but I want you to think about that. How many of you in here uh, have done that where you highlight, I can't believe so-and-so is doing this or so-and-so is doing this and this is happening or whatever, when that same sin is taking place in your own life? Because what's happening is you're trying to look past uh, this log, and and I always always envision this like two-by-four sticking out of somebody's face, right? Walking around with a two-by-four, this obstacle that's in, in, in your way, but you're trying to pick a little piece of sawdust out of, out of somebody else's eye. Shannon and I had a, a, a little bit of this this week. Uh, I, forgive me. Um, well, it, it, was, it was one of those, those times and those moments, and I'm, as I'm prepared for this, this message and, and I'm thinking, you know, there's a lot of avenues and areas in which I can go. And then her and I were arguing about something about... I mean, she was moody this week, and I just couldn't <laughs> figure it all out. Um, and I kept telling her, man, you're awful moody this week. I always say that. doesn't make it right. It doesn't make it right. You're absolutely right. But, uh, but you, just hear me out on this, because it's a perfect illustration. Yeah. So it, it's, I was like, yeah, you're being awful moody, and she said a few words to me. Nice words. My wife's always nice. Nice words always come out of her mouth. But um, I had to stop after she said her words. And, and because the, you ever have those moments the Holy Spirit brings to remembrance scripture, especially the scripture you're going to preach on this week. And, and, and I, I had that, that feeling like, and that understanding like, dude, you're talking about a speck. But you got this massive two-by-four that's sticking out the side of your face that keeps hitting the lights every time you walk by something. How in the world can you say something like that when you're doing the same exact thing? And and granted, you know, maybe it's not uh, an issue of being moody. Everybody gets moody now and then. But I think what the, the, the point of what I'm saying is when, when things are happening and when I'm dealing with something, I have a tendency to point out what other people are dealing with as well. Now, I don't say that as a liberty for everybody in here, when, when preacher you know, says, "I need to quit doing that," that means, you know I, I, that he's dealing with the same thing. I'm not saying that, but what I am saying is there are times which I need to stop, and I need to say. Wow, am I dealing with X, Y, and Z? Is this just a a, a revelation to me from God? Is is God revealing to me what what sin is is apparent in my life that I'm just kind of trying to look past? A lot of us, if we were to do that, if we were to stop and just kind of view what it is that we're we're trying to pin on someone else, or, or how about this? We're trying to help someone else. I need to help so-and-so with whatever it is. I don't know. I, and, you, and all of our focus is in that. Is that a good thing? Can it? Yeah, it, it could be a very good thing. But make sure that we're not avoiding the log that's in our eye to help someone with the speck that's in their eye. Because Jesus here is saying to his disciples, we've already established last week and the week before that the way in which we look and the way in which we view and the way in which we interact with people is going to be different. And he's saying, so the way in which we're going to go about life being different, we need to understand that the way in which we respond and the way in which we um, do things is also going to be different. The way in which we deal with things is going to be different. The way in which we deal with things is not going to be the way in which someone else should deal with things. And when I say that, the way in which a a, a spiritually alive, awake person should deal with something is not the same way in which a blind person should deal with something. Jesus is making that clear, but he says, First, and I love that, First, take the log out of your own eye. Deal with what is going on in your life. Don't let, the, don't let that, what's going on in your life, though, be what, um, don't let that keep you from doing what it is that needs to be done because too often what people will do is they'll see, I've got a log in my, eye, my own eye, so I can't help someone else. No, 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 no. He says, deal with it. Once you've dealt with it, then help your brother, help your sister. Just identifying you got something going on in your life that's wrong isn't the answer. It's identifying it, doing something about it. we talk, we want to be a people that are a doing people. We don't want to just talk about things. We want to be about things. That's what Jesus is talking. He's saying, do something about what's going on in your life. Don't just focus. Yeah, I'm just going to deal with, okay, every time I walk around a light, I just need to duck a little bit because I got this thing sticking out in my face. That's not what he's saying. That's not how you deal with it. It's let's remove this. Remove the obstacle so then we can help our brothers and our sisters. Because if we don't remove the obstacle, we can never, we can not, we cannot help our brothers and our sisters. But it all starts with improving ourselves, right? I can focus all day long on what my wife needs to do, right? In turn, she can focus all day long on what I need to do but if I'm not focusing on what I need to do and if she's not focusing on what she needs to do, then all we're going to do is just have this big battle with logs sticking out of our eyes. We'll look like uh, triceratops, right? With these boards sticking out. It scares us, though. It scares us to deal with things. Too many people... And I, I, I'm not going to say everybody, but I would say the majority of people don't want to deal with sin that's in their life because they've come accustomed to dealing with that sin. And, and, and when I say they've come accustomed, not, not, I shouldn't say dealing with it. They don't want to deal with that sin in their life because they've become accustomed to living with that sin in their life. I know how to react to sin A in my life. I know it's wrong, but I, I, I know I, I've learned what questions, what things to say, what things not to say, but I've learned how to be comfortable with that sin. If I repent of that sin, if I get rid of that sin, that means I'm going to have to move to sin B, and I don't know how to deal with sin B yet. You're absolutely right. You don't know how to deal with sin B. That goes back to the beginning of what we talked about when I said this. It's only through the power of the Holy Spirit in which you're going to be able to do this. It's only through the power of the Holy Spirit in which we're going to be able to live a life that is uh, abundant. It's only through the power of the Holy Spirit that we're going to be able to walk around uh, visually or spiritually uh, uh, um, um, uh, um, uh, uh, able to see. I guess I don't want to... Communicate a a, a subject or a topic that, that, that puts all of the responsibility on the individual, as far as like, it's just up to you. You know, seven steps in which you can feel better about yourself. I want you to understand that it's beyond you. Is it your responsibility to do something? Yes, but it's beyond you to do it. You have to trust in the power and the work of the Holy Spirit. Because when we don't trust in God and we trust in ourselves, Who gets the glory? We do. That's not the business that God's in. That's not what a disciple is to promote. That's not what a disciple is to display. We're to live a life that's honoring God. Turn back to uh, Matthew chapter 28, and I'm done. Bless you. Matthew 28, 19, we know this, we've heard this, but none of this accepting and forgiving and giving makes any sense. None of this blind and seeing and teaching and deci- none of this makes sense if we don't understand why we're to do all of this. Back in Proverbs, it says, A people who without vision perish. Jesus has given us a clear vision, what we we're supposed to do. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And I love that last part. Because this is where the rubber meets the road, and this is where when we say, how do we do all of this stuff, and how, how can I um, uh, remove what's, what's in my eye, these obstacles that are in my life, so I can help others? How can I not be so consumed with what's going on here in me that, I, that I'm ineffective outside? And lo, and behold, or I'm sorry, and behold. In, in the, I think in King James it says, in lo, right? And behold, I am with you always. I am with you always. So the, the power that they created, the, the God of all creation, the one who formed the universe when he said, universe, right? He said light. Boom, there was light. The one who formed you and me in our mother's womb. That God, the one, oh, I, I had this, this, Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful moment. Shannon and I went up to Niagara Falls uh, on Friday. We stayed overnight, came back on Saturday. Standing there looking at the falls, and I, actually we were up in the, the what's that, the, the sky, sky wheel. Believe it or not, I got Shannon to go up in that. She's definitely afraid of heights. Um, but we went up in there, and they're, they're talking this thing. You know, they give the a little narration and everything. And they said that 750,000 gallons of water go over the falls every second. I'm just thinking like, whoa, that's massive, right? Then standing there, feeling the mist and everything off, looking at these falls, and I'm like, these things are massive, huge, huge. I couldn't imagine just trying to just walk up underneath and and just being able to stand underneath that. I mean, it's just, it's uncomprehendable, the force and the power and the magnitude and everything. And I got to thinking, as I was reading, I was reading some obscure passage out of... uh, I was reading some obscure passage out of 2 Samuel. Talking, I'm reading about David and everything. And he makes a, the, the comment about how something was a small thing in God's eyes. And, and I had this moment, I'm thinking, as I'm standing, I'm looking at these falls. And I'm thinking this is so massive and so uh, uh, um, uh, just immense and how I, I would be totally powerless when it comes up to these these falls, 750,000 gallons a second, thinking, that's small to God. That's that's small. What I think is so humongous and, 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 and massive and immense and everything, God says, I did that. That's small to him. Why do I tell you that? Is, is God not uh, um, concerned with the small things? No, he is, because it says we're supposed to cast our anxieties and our fears and everything at his feet, because he cares for us. He loves, for, he loves us. But understanding the, 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 the God that created that massive, those massive waterfalls, understanding he's the one that says, you know what, I'm with you. No matter what it is that you face. That's, that's where we get that power. That's where we get that strength. That's where we can take that rest. So when we see the log that's in our eye, whatever obstacle that is facing us, when we see that, we know, you know what? My God's bigger than X, Y, Z. Because a lot of us live in the lie that God can't get you out of or get you through whatever situation in which you're in. Oh, he can. It's a small thing to God. God but you mean a lot to them. Let's end with that. Our Father God in heaven, Lord Jesus, we love you. Father, we thank you. Uh, Lord, I, I just pray that as we've you know, just read some more into the, the, the book of Luke and, and how we've heard um, the, the truths in which you, you've set forth for us, that uh, you take the, the, you know, the ramblings of, 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 a, of a madman and, and um, make them make sense uh, in the truth of your word. Uh, God, that, that we can see that uh, and we're all jacked up, and, and, and we've got things that are going on, and we've got obstacles that, that um, beset us, but those obstacles don't define us. And God, that we are to love one another, and we are to uh, do life together with one another. Um, but God, we can't do that alone our, in our own power. We need you. Lord, you are the, 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 the creator of all, the, the Lord, the God, the, 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 um, the one who sits on the throne. God, you, did, you created the, 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 uh, the Falls of Niagara, the Grand Canyon, all these wonders, God, and they're small to you. But God, we know that we're big to you. You care about us. Lord, let us rest in that. Let us understand that it's because you're with us that we want to confess our sins, we want to repent, we want to move forward, we want to live a life that people see and understand that we are disciples of you. Lord Jesus, we do want to be a part of that, a part of that movement that changes the way in which people think about you and your church. Lord, we love you. God, we thank you. Father, we ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand.